Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Paranormal Peeps podcast. We've got a fun and uh, exciting uh, show lineup for you guys today. Before we get started with that, let's see who we got sitting around our beautiful round table. And to my left. Jamie and Elisa. And uh, you guys might already know me by the name of Josh, but I can go by other names too, but we won't use those here. (laughs) (laughs) It's supposed to be friendly. (laughs) That's right. It's supposed to be family friendly. We are going to talk about a place up in Colorado. I think that uh, it's probably on all of our bucket lists. It's on mine. It's on mine. Uh, So that makes three of us. Yeah. It's all on all of our bucket lists. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, that place is called the Stanley Hotel. Pretty famous place. It's been in uh, a handful of movies. One of them is uh, Dumb and Dumber. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was in Dumb and Dumber. So while uh, it is most known for being the site or or thought to be the inspiration for another movie, it was when Stanley Kubrick uh, did the movie. It was never actually used in the movie. The actual place. The actual place. Right. But it It was was based upon. It was based upon that, yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Which we will definitely get to. In October 1859, a man by the name of Joel Estes and his son, Francis Marion, were on a hunting and prospecting journey. Uh, They were following a Native American trail up the Thompson River to the summit of a plateau. And so as Joel's standing up there looking out down into the valley, he saw a place that was only known to the Ute and the Arapaho, but would later be known as the world-famous summer resort Estes Park. Nice. Kind of like happenstance in a way. Right. Um, after him and his son got back, they brought their family up there. And they actually only lived in the in the location uh, for nine years. And so if, uh, if you ever get up to Estes Park, there's a large granite marker that's there that kind of shows where the cabin was located. Oh, cool. So unfortunately, his cabin has been, you know, long since gone. Of course. Yeah. Which is a bummer. I wish it was still there. <laughs> that would be cool. Wouldn't it? Yeah. We like going to like uh, Benson Chris Mill. Mm-hmm. That would be cool. That would be cool. So, um, and then let's, let's like move forward in time a little bit to 1872. And this is kind of uh, how this area gets uh, a little more notoriety uh, in, in a sense, but also um, a little bit of scandal comes with it. Ooh. Ooh. Juicy. So there was a... Uh, a man by the name of Wyndham Thomas Wyndham Quinn. Wait, two Wyndhams? <laughs> yeah, there's two Wyndhams. Because <laughs> he didn't have enough, apparently. He did not. <laughs> like, when your last name is Wyndham Quinn, why would you name your kid Wyndham? Because two's better than one. Really like the name. Uh, they must. I don't know. <laughs> they really must. Casey like missed it. it the first time. We're going to throw in another Wyndham right here. Right. <laughs> He's also better known as the Earl of Dunraven. So he's actually royalty over uh, across the pond. And he was kind of out in, you know, the Americas on a big old hunting trip. And so he ended up coming into Estes Park, or the valley anyway. And he's like, I love this place. This is the best place in the world. I'm going to make my own private hunting reserve. Okay. (laughs) That was his plan. But there's a catch. He's not American. Right. So what did he do to acquire the land? So this is where things get a little shady. Back in that time frame, in only Americans were allowed to be homesteaders. So you had to be, you know, at least being willing to be a U.S. citizen. He, he set up this company 
called the Estes Park Limited. And they would get men from a, from the local, they call it the front range towns. So the area, the people in those areas, and they would have them go homestead these properties. And he picked all of the good properties. So all along the rivers going in and out of Estes Park area, that's where these guys would homestead. Of course. And then he would buy it back from them. Pennies on the dollar. $5 an acre. Yep. Oh, wow. Yeah. Between him and his holding company, they purchased a roughly 15,000 acres of this Jeez. land. I can't even get one. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so as soon as he started doing all this stuff, right, there was a grand jury investigation into how this man has gotten 15,000 acres. And so they started kind of investigating. And a lot of this stuff was caught up in legal battles throughout the years. You know, even during that time, he still really owned the land. And so he decided to build the first hotel in the valley, the first like touristy hotel in 1877. Right. And it was called the English Hotel. But, you know, even after he built it, people were still fighting his claims to the land. And eventually he was actually forced to sell all of his land and move out of the valley. Now, at that point, why don't you just become a U.S. A US citizen. citizen if you're going to yeah. live here anyway? Well, because if he is the Earl of Dunraven, he's in line to the throne. So he's like, like, I'm royalty. I don't want to, I don't want to be with these silly coloners, colonizers. So he just had enough money to do what he wanted. I think he was Irish royalty is what it was. So he had a bunch of Irish friends and they, you know, he basically wanted the land so he could have his own place to hunt with his, all of his little Irish friends. Yeah. Which in today's standard, right? It's like, yeah, sure. Let's hop on a plane. Let's fly into Denver, Colorado, you know, take an Uber up a couple hours and there you are in Estes Park. But like. Expensive Uber. It's expensive Uber. (laughs) (laughs) But now, I mean, but then, you know, it's, there's no planes. So you take a boat across the Atlantic, hop a wagon train across the country. It takes, yeah. It's like, oh, well, that was four months to get here. Right. I know. Yeah. Like, why would you? I don't know. Yeah. I think, honestly, I think it was just a giant power grab is what it, oh, what it comes sure. down to. For sure. And there was a lot of that. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And so this brings us into the, I wouldn't say modern era, but it's more kind of what we know today. And we get into Francis... In Freeland Stanley. As you can guess, this is the hotel that these people are named after. Mm-hmm. They were twin brothers and also inventors. What made them their fortune is they had... So back when you took a picture, right? The people would have to sit still from, from anywhere from half an hour to like several hours. Oh. Can you imagine like... No wonder there? nobody smiled. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I'd be grumpy. <laughs> exactly. That's why dead photography was so easy. Yeah. <laughs> They ain't moving. Hold still. Don't move. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of it was because the chemicals that that had to mi- they had to mix, yeah, and to to make the image, right? Yes. And so they actually developed a process where they could do some of this pre mixing on this on the glass first, and so they actually got it cut down from several hours to just minutes. Yep, which would be incredible for the time. Exactly, incredible for the time. And so they sold their invention to Mister George Eastman. Which is what ultimately made them millionaires. Yeah. He also had a last name, a different name too. Kodak. Nice. Ah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And so that's how they made their first set of, you know, I would say millions probably. But then 
They also developed a steam-powered car in 1897. Yes, they did. By 1899, they had their own factory, and they were producing 10 cars a day. That's pretty good for then. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's pretty good. And then one of their cars in 1906 uh, set the land speed record at 130 miles an hour. Jeez. See, now I've I've heard conflicting reports. The documentary we watched yesterday was top speed of 40 miles an hour. Yes. Then I read another thing that said 127 miles an hour. Well, I, I would think that most people probably drove 40 miles an hour because, you know, there, there was no cab. It was open. And, you know, you're controlling the steam and that's what's powering your engine. Well, right? no seatbelts. Yeah, There's either. no real seatbelts. And let's face it, if you're driving on the cruddy roads that they had there, I wouldn't want to go 120 miles an hour on those. <laughs> Not in that little car. You have those crazies. You do. <laughs> but the land speed record was set on a Florida beach. Nice. So they kind of had an open area, and mm-hmm. it's like, hey, they got straight shot, let's go, uh, type of deal. What made their car kind of popular, because they were competing with Henry Ford at the time. Right. But their car was $300 cheaper nice. than the Model T. Yeah. If you remember from the movie Cars, remember Liz from Cars? Yes, old Model T. Who was her husband? Stanley. Named after the Stanley car. Yep. Oh, I didn't realize that. That's yeah. cute. Yeah. Yeah, so they had and they had all varieties of steam uh, powered vehicles after that. A little bit, a little bit off topic, kind of. Uh, didn't they have like a? Wasn't there like um, a carpet cleaning thing called Stanley Steamer? Yeah. I seem to vaguely remember a commercial with a little song about Stanley Steamer, like yes, I cleaning it. carpet cleaning. I, w- I will admit that that song was running through my head as I was writing all my notes nice. for this. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to have to look that up, and then I can post that on our site if I can find the commercial. Oh, I'm sure we can, I'm sure it's got to be on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. I am sure. So at the age of 53, Freeland Orlin, or for, I'm sorry, Freeland Oscar, or I think from most people that refer to him as F.O. Yes. He was actually diagnosed with tuberculosis. Mm-hmm. At the time, the only real treatment for TB was fresh air, and they usually went to the mountains. Right. So he's like, I'm going to the mountains. And he ended up buying 140 acres from the Earl of Dunraven. And so he decided that you know they were going to build a hotel on this property. And so they started building the hotel in 1907, and they ended up finishing in 1909. Their hotel was luxury for the time. They had electricity. That was supplied by their own hydroelectric dam that they built. That's cool. That's <laughs> so cool. And at a time when most of the homes in Colorado didn't even have indoor plumbing, so they still had to go you know, outside to their outhouse, if people ever remember those, each of the rooms had their own bathroom. So I mean, that's like far and above that's everything. Yeah. yeah. They also had a manor house, a casino building, tennis courts, a nine-hole golf course, trap shooting, and its own airfield for small planes. Dang. (laughs) So they had every luxury of that time. Every luxury. When it opened, a room was averaging between five to eight dollars a night. If only. Man. (laughs) That'd be great for today's age, but back then, eight dollars was usually about what people made in a week. Exactly. Yeah. So if you're spending five to eight dollars, you're spending almost a week's worth of wage for for one one night. night. Yeah. And so if you put that in today's standard um, I think the average, I think the average person makes a thousand dollars a week. 
So, yeah, you're looking at six, $700 a night. Oh, wait, that's on par. <laughs> it's pretty expensive to go up there mm-hmm. in the summertime. Yeah, yeah. But the room rate did include all your meals and entertainment. So it's kind of like this all-inclusive. Right, uh, and which was really popular back then. Like they yeah. did a lot of, of activities and things to keep you entertained and, you know. Yeah, they had a lot of different stuff going on. And they had lots of actual uh, famous guests that would come and visit. So uh, they had J.C. Penney, John Philip Sousa, Harvey Firestone, uh, Dr. William Mayo. You know, another of, you know, most famous author that most of you probably may never heard of, Mr. Richard Bachman. I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and and what is, what, what's his better known name? Stephen King. Yes, it is. And, you know, after built, you know, because they had their hydroelectric dam and they're out in the middle of nowhere, right? Um, they needed to have um, some backup lighting just in case they lost power, right? And so what they did is they had these acetylene gas lights that were also installed in all of the rooms in the buildings. That kind of had some own, its own fun, didn't it, Elisa? It did. So in June 1911, this fully booked hotel in the, is in the middle of a thunderstorm and gets it loses its power. So the head chambermaid, her name is Miss Wilson, Elizabeth Wilson, is asked to go around and light these gas lamps. And this is like their their backup for, you know, losing their power. So she's going around. She's got this open flame. She's got her lit candle. And she's going room to room and lighting each of these gas lamps. And she gets to the presidential suite at the time, which is room 217. But... When she gets there, before she gets there, there had been a gas leak in this room that had been slowly eking out all day and nobody knew. And she opens the store and she's got this open flame. So gas meets open flame flame and boom and creates this huge explosion. So (laughs) crazy enough, Miss Wilson flies through the floor and goes 15 feet below and still survives this explosion. She lands in the dining room. How, I mean, there's, if there's enough power to push her through the floor, she's got to be in some pain. I mean. Oh, yeah. Holy cow. And fall 15 feet. Yeah. Like, that's that's insane. And still live. And then she continues to work there for a few years. And eventually dies one night after her shift. Yeah, back in like 1960s when she passed away, I think it was. Yeah, so. Yeah, her only injuries from that, from falling that way, that way was two broken ankles and some minor scrapes and cuts. Which Amazing. is crazy to me. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Because like if you think about it, like back in the day when you would have um, like these cooking stoves that had these open flames and you hear women catching their dresses on fire and they're yeah. burning to death. Yeah. Right? So how does she get in this huge explosion? Push through a floor. Push through a floor, and all she has is a couple broken ankles and some scrapes. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's like divine intervention right there. Right? You know what I get? I get a picture. <laughs> if you ever seen Back to the Future where Marty McFly like turns up those big oh, the, speakers, yeah. those big amps, <laughs> and then he like strums his electric yep. guitar and he flies backwards. <laughs> this is kind of what I'm picturing yeah. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> Have you guys ever seen the Budweiser commercial for the Super Bowl where the, the horse comes... Uh, out having a carriage and the boyfriend bends down it's the middle of the winter the girl is like oh we're gonna go on a little picnic and the boy bends down to pick up a beer and 
the horse lifts up its tail and farts in her face, and she's got a candle in front of her. And, <laughs> <laughs> and her face is all black, and her hair is pushed back. And I'm like, that's what I picture. When I... <laughs> oh my if you haven't seen it, I'm sure you have. If you haven't seen it, look it up on YouTube. It's super funny. Right? You know, what's, what's crazy, because we're talking about that explosion, right? It was so strong that it blew off parts of the front and, of mm-hmm. that wing. And they landed a half a mile away. Oh, that yeah. That is impressive. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's a huge explosion, which we talked about the Anson Call House earlier this year, right? Which yeah. was a big explosion. But this is bigger than that. Yeah. It was huge. I'm surprised she didn't land half a mile away. I know. You know? Yeah. I wonder how fast she hit that floor. Had it been pretty fast. To oh, go like sure. through the floor and 15 feet below. Yeah. Like, Boom, she hit so the di- she hit the dining room. So yeah, did she hit a table? Did she hit like what did she land on? I don't know, but for her to live through that is amazing. Yeah, mm. absolutely amazing. That's kind of not all the notoriety for that room, though. Nope. So we'll fast forward. I don't know, sixty some years. It's six. Yeah, I think it's like sixty years or so. Sixty three ish to October nineteen seventy four. October thirtieth. Ooh, Halloween. The day before Halloween. Oh, yeah. The eve of Halloween. So, October 30th, 1974. Okay, I'm going to set the tone. Winter arrives. Okay, the staff, they're finishing up, sealing up the hotel for the season. Okay, now mind you, there's no heat in the main hotel until 1982. So, it's going to be cold, right? So, they're closing things up to end the season. And... Until it got warmer. But here comes this family. There's a big old snow snowstorm. And this family has to come into the hotel just to find some safety, right? And so the staff is like, well, kind of crap, what do we do? Because we're closing up, right? But at the same time, we can't just let this family go out in the middle of the snowstorm. So they let them stay and wait it out. They give them keys to room 217. And mind you, it's not a presidential suite anymore. But... It's just to the room. And um, family, the guy, the dad, is a 28-year-old new novelist who is Stephen King, him and his family. So they're one of the only guests in this hotel that evening. And after dinner, he just starts to, like, walk around the hotel and down the halls, and he's just exploring. And he stops, and he is terrified because he sees this apparition of a ghost, right, in the hall. And when he goes to bed, he's got all these things swimming through his mind and he ends up falling asleep and he has this dream that he is being chased by a fire hose. His son. His son is being chased, yeah, by a fire hose down through the halls and his son's screaming um, and he wakes up in this cold sweat and he... Wakes up, he realizes it's a dream. But that next morning, he goes outside to take a smoke. And and by the time the cigarette is gone, he already has the bones for this book that he's got figured out in his head. Which he then left. After they left the hotel, he went home. And he wrote it in that next week and called it The Shining. So it's got a lot of interesting things to that room. Yeah, yeah, that 
it's uh it's kind of crazy like his stay there because he stayed with there with his wife tabitha mm-hmm. and he said that you know they were down at dinner right and they're eating in the dining room and this dining room usually they had you know an orchestra not an orchestra but they had piano playing and they mm-hmm. had like this music going on uh, but at the time they just had canned in music and he said he could hear it echoing down the halls and he's like you know, he's like, he, he said he felt that God put him there so he can feel and experience these things, you know, and, and kind of, you know, take in that whole place. And they had one lone bartender that, that served him. And so, like, imagine being in this giant 400 room ish hotel and being the only ones there. The like, only stay. ones. That would be so cool. Yeah. It would be super neat. But, um, and during a storm, I'm in. <laughs> let's go now <laughs> yeah. let's go now yeah and then of course like we all know that that stanley kubrick uh made that into a major motion picture mm-hmm. which i remember watching when i was six i that seems to be kind of your theme here every like scary movie you watch when you're about six i know <laughs> i remember watching it on tv and being yeah. terrified of course you're six yeah <laughs> And like at the end, when when Jack Nicholson's character freezes to death in the in the the maze outside, mm-hmm. right? Like I still like that stuff is still like etched in my mind. See, his face is just what was etched in my mind. That creepy face as he's coming, you know? Yeah, yeah. Here's Johnny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then you know, like for like I I think that's probably what you say the most famous paranormal experience there is right probably yeah um but it did come at a very uh advantageous time for the hotel didn't it so back in that time right uh the hotel was kind of on its downslide oh it did yeah they say that you know that stephen king's book his stay there and then leading to the book the shining um that that actually brought the hotel back to life yeah and they celebrate it every single day yeah so they, and I don't know if they do this now because technology has advanced so much, but they used to have it on loop. They'd say like channel 42, it's on loop. So you can watch it anytime you want. Nice. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. That'd be, I mean, yeah. Why not celebrate it? Right. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, that's what's brought it so much attention. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. To this day. Yeah, because they were saying that, yeah, it was in disrepair, that they're having a hard time keeping up with the repair and the maintenance of the mm-hmm. building. Mm-hmm. Well, and in the movie, it's a different room that they, because they didn't want to have it be the room that he was in because the actual room that he was in, because they were worried that people wouldn't want to stay in there. Now oh. look at it now. <laughs> now it's like everybody's requesting. Everybody wants that room yeah. and wants to stay in that room. That's probably the most expensive room in the hotel. Oh, probably. Right? Second. Second most expensive. Second most expensive is room in the hotel. 401 the most expensive? No. Uh, the most expensive is a three-room villa at $1,000 a night. Ooh. If you do want to stay at this at this at in this room, in room 17, it will cost you a minimum of $569 a night. Um, most of the time, it's booked up months in advance. So if you can't see it online, you need to call them directly to book the room. Yes. So it's a pretty popular room, which... You know, you can thank uh, Ghost Hunters and mm-hmm. Ghost Adventures, Ghost Adventures, and, and all sorts of people that have gone there and stayed there yeah. and, and recorded their videos. Yeah. So it's not just that room that's haunted, though. Either there's lots of paranormal activity that happened in that. In oh, the hotel. they get they get a lot of different places there that 
has paranormal experiences, anywhere from bed shaking to dissembled rooms, like lots of stuff that we're going to go over. So it's yeah. going to be fun. Yeah. And I think we'll start up on the probably the most haunted floor of the main hotel to start, which is floor four. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, before we even get into the rooms, some of the stuff that's been noted on the fourth floor is they hear a lot of like kids playing and running up and down the halls. Mm-hmm. And balls rolling back and forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And one of the reasons for that is when uh, when the hotel was there um, in the early days, they allowed children to stay in the hotel because it's mainly a family hotel style. But when the weather was really junky outside, all the kids would go up on the fourth floor and play on the fourth floor. And so that's why you, I think that you get a lot of this mm-hmm. this kid activity up there is because that's where all of the kids would have fun and all this energy got – you know, uh, embedded into the halls. And isn't that where Stephen King saw the ghost? Yeah, I do believe it was on the fourth floor. So, and I know that there's a boy that's usually seen um, with a blonde female spirit too. So I know that there's a little boy and a little girl. And the thing that they say is that they have a red ball that is seen like rolling down the hallway, like it's being tossed between the two kids. All I can hear is, come play with us. (laughs) (laughs) Well, didn't it used to, it used to be an attic up there. Well, and I've also heard that they had, that the kids were um, children of the maids that would work there. So, yeah, it says that it used to be, the fourth floor used to be a cavernous attic and later it became lodging for female employees, children's and nannies. Yeah. Children and nannies. So, So, yeah, they Kids, go play in the attic. Yeah, so. (laughs) And then it says, could it be that the Grady twins are more than a fabrication of King's macabre imagination? Oh. You never know. No, and that's true. Like, um, there could be some some solidity, uh, you know, solidarity in that. Mm -hmm. You know, you got kids that are coming there from workers and stuff like that that are playing. Mm -hmm. Or someone could bring their twins with them, you know. So what room do you want to go into first? 401. Let's go. The room that I want to stay in. So this is supposedly the most haunted room in the hotel. And one of the stories is um, this guy, he was staying in the room and goes to bed, takes off his wedding ring. And a couple hours later, he said he saw this man come into his room and he picked up the ring and then just walked through the closet door. And later he was like, what the heck? You know, I mean, I'm sure he was thinking that at the time. And then he goes and opens the door, but there's no ring. He never got his ring back. He Oof. could never find it. Thief. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> and so uh, ghost hunters went in there and Jason's like, I call it. I call this room. Right. <laughs> Which I totally what I would do. And he as he's spending the night in there, he's just got his camera rolling. So you're watching it as he's sleeping. And at 5.30 a.m., um, he has a glass cup on his nightstand and it breaks from the inside out. So there's like a chunk of glass that falls out onto the nightstand and it's the whole cup is just cracked. And there's nothing that would have done it. I mean, right. it didn't even like move or anything. It just cracked. And then um, the door to his closet opened. So you hear it go, so he gets up and he moves his camera and he's like, guys, 
I don't know what's going on, but I'm not drinking out of this cup anymore. And just turns the camera to where the closet is, because that's where this is all happening in this one, one strip, and goes back to bed. I don't know about you guys. I would just be sitting in my bed waiting for something else to happen. Right. right? He I just is like, whatever, I'm going to go back to sleep. So he goes <laughs> and he goes back to sleep. And um, 11 minutes later, because you can see it on the recording, 11 minutes later, the door closes and there's tons of like thumping and banging coming from the closet. And so he goes back to the recording. And he's like, I don't know if you guys can hear this, but there's tons of stuff going on in that closet. So then Jason and Grant go back there for a second time during their Halloween um, live. And they're sitting in between the bathroom and the closet. And they started hearing piano music. They can hear the music. But there's obviously nobody playing the piano. It's the middle of the night, right? Right. And um, they they go into the bathroom and they can hear it. But that's not where it's coming from. They don't know where it's coming from, but they could hear it the best. In the bathroom. I wonder if that's because of the pipes and things just sound can travel along those pipes. Yeah, I don't know. That's very possible. But I think they rented out the, I think they had the entire Stanley Hotel to themselves. Yeah. So unless someone was downstairs playing the piano. Which I highly doubt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, I doubt it. But yeah. So an interesting room. I would want that room. Yeah. And the the spirit that is said to haunt that room though is Lord Dunraven. So yeah. they uh they suspect that he feels entitled to the land um and to the property because that was his. Mm-hmm. Well yeah, and he's the one that built the first hotel on the property. Or in the in the valley. In, in the, the valley, valley yeah. right. Yeah. But so then here's this other hotel, this grand Stanley Hotel, and if he felt like it's built on, you know, in your in your land, yeah. In his land, I wonder if he feels entitled to. I wonder if anybody's yeah. actually seen him. Ooh, that'd be cool. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, there's obviously been reports of of people seeing an apparition of a man. Now, you know, is it really Lord Dunraven, or is it a different, you know, male spirit? It's hard to say. Like, right. you know, until doing the research on 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 this, I didn't know that it was that Lord Dunraven even existed. And right. so I bet you most people who go in looking into this stuff or investigating there, they don't know what he looks like. They don't know who he is. And so if they even get a picture of a man, like, look, there's a dude, in, there's a guy in old in old dress. Right. You know. So what other rooms do you guys know on the fourth floor? 428. Yeah. 428. I think this is the room that I would want to stay in. Yeah. Can we just like book a week there and just like rotate rooms? Right. I mean, it's hard to pick any one. Yeah. You know what I mean? Out of the ones that are reported to be the most active. Yeah. It would be really tough. Like just like skip rooms. Like, okay, so I want 401 for one night, 418 for one night, Mm -hmm. 428 for one night. Oh, and then, and then 217 (laughs) uh, for a night. You can go on. Yeah. Just give me every room in the hotel. Well, 428 has reports of sound of footsteps and furniture moving. Yeah. Um, they said the real haunt is a friendly cowboy that a lot of people reported that have stayed in that room have reported that they wake up in the middle of the night to this cowboy who paces back and forth a few times and then uh, proceeds to walk through the door and out into the hall and mm. then just disappears. But they say as he's pacing back and forth at the foot of their bed along the floor that he's watching them. Oh, creepy. Yeah. So that makes me think 
it's an intelligent haunting. Oh yeah, more so than residual because if he's eye contact. like if he's like staring you down <laughs> with that icy cold stare and pacing back and forth, you know he's probably trying to figure out what the heck are you doing here, right? Ugh. So that's that's like the most famous for that room, so. right? And there's also reports of the closet. There's lots of that sounds like a theme of this place, right? There's lots of noises that come from the closet, mm-hmm. lots of bangs and bumps and stuff in the closet. And in this room, uh, the bathroom door also closes on its own. That's cool. See, I would want to go in these rooms and put recorders in the closets. Right? Yeah. I mean, definitely. If there's that much noise coming from these closets, let's capture. And I bet there's going to be some EVPs in there. Put a a digital and a camera in there, right? Just so you can watch. Just document it. Yeah. Yeah. The other part that I think is the craziest about this room, though, is not only are there footsteps in the room. Right, like you hear boots walking on the floor. Yeah. There's also reports of footsteps on the ceiling. Yeah, and how does that even work? Right? He's walking upside down. <laughs> Trying I, to look at you from another I angle. I have heard that before though. Like I have heard footsteps on ceilings and you're like, There's nobody on the roof, you right. know? And but there is a different sound between like someone walking on the roof and the ceiling. And the ceiling. Right. There mm-hmm. are very two different distinct sounds. Yeah. So it does sound like someone is walking upside down on the ceiling. It's the weirdest, doesn't make any sense sound. Well, in a, in all honesty, if I heard someone walking on the ceiling, I would be grateful that I'm hearing it and not seeing someone staring at me from the ceiling while they're pacing back and forth. Right? <laughs> like that because cowboy. that would be, yeah, that'd be quite intimidating to me. As you look up Above and there's a you. guy standing down looking at you. Yeah. That would, yeah. That, that would, would be, be very intimidating. But, but it doesn't even make any sense no. on why that would even be. Nope. No. I mean, <laughs> but I've heard it before, so I can't say that it's not true. Yeah. yeah. You know? And and the one thing to, make, to note is that fourth floor is the top of the building. Yes. And mm-hmm. 428, where it's located, it's like in a gable. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a small little gable window, and that's like the big window for the room. And so there's nothing above it. There's no crawl spaces up there. Like, there's no animals. Like they even went up there and looked to make sure there's no like raccoons or squirrels or, you know, animals getting up there to cause these noises. And there's nothing up there, no yeah. animal messes or nothing. So they're like, yeah, this is truly something odd. Yeah. Well, and it, you know, they say it doesn't sound like scurrying. I mean, unless you got like a raccoon or a squirrel wearing boots. Walking <laughs> I know. Cause that's a different it's, sound. It's a whole different thing. Hey, yeah. if a you cat wouldn't... can wear a pair of boots, why can't a raccoon? <laughs> Still wouldn't be the same. You don't got the weight behind it. <laughs> <laughs> that's but true. they say that, you know, they say over the years there's been like, you know, lots of cowboys that have like stayed the night or two, a night or two at the Stanley, but there's no reports of like anybody dying there. But they said that, uh, to those that know their Estes Park uh, history, they believe that it's the spirit of a guy named Rocky Mountain. They call him Rocky Mountain. Uh, Jim Nugent was his name. <laughs> okay. So do you, do you have any information on Jim Nugent? The only thing I have is that they said he mostly will appear to women, and he usually gives them ghostly kisses. Oh, so <laughs> I don't know where. I don't want to know where. But that's what he said. What they say he does. So you got goosebumps. I got goosebumps. So it's funny you bring that name up, right? Yeah. There was one man who Lord Dunraven had a feud with, and it was Rocky Mountain Jim. <laughs> and he owned nice. Rocky Mountain Jim owned the land that led into the valley. Boom. 
And <laughs> what ended up happening is Lord Dunraven hired a guy and he shot and killed Jim. Oh. So he could take his land. Thievery. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so if it is Rocky Mountain Jim haunting the fourth floor of this hotel on the same floor that Lord, yeah, up on, the, on four. On the same floor that Lord Dunraven is supposed to haunt. Ooh. Well, it Jim Nugent doesn't seem to be paying any attention to uh what's his face? He seems to be just giving the ladies kisses. <laughs> so, he's doing whatever makes him happy, I suppose. Right? And then there's another room on that floor that's supposed to be super haunted, which is 418. No? Here's what's funny. According to the documentary that we watched, right, they said, um, and they had a lot of, um, there was a, uh, he was the head of tours that was giving this, all of this information out. And they were talking about room 418. And he said, it's the most haunted room in the entire hotel. Okay. And why does he say that? That's a very good question. Because the only thing that they said is there's lots of noises that come from the closet. (laughs) <laughs> I've heard that about other rooms, though. Exactly. I know. They, they think it's like little kids playing hide and seek and hiding in the closet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, you'd hear these noises, right? Mm-hmm. And then you'd open the door and look and then nothing. But then there's noises behind you. And then you turn around and look and you close the door and then you go lay down and then there's more noises back in the, the closet. Ooh, playing games. Yeah. Kind of like Marco That's Polo. Cool. And, <laughs> you know, and, and they said, and this documentary was shot back in 2014. Right. But, you know, he said like when they were shooting it, like the night before that they were there, they were holding seances and other stuff in the hallway. And that's just the guests. There's not. Oh, wow. It's not the hotel sanctioned paranormal event. Right. It was just guests in there holding their own 20 person seance in the hall. Oh, my. (laughs) So obviously. There's things that's going to be conjured up for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. But, uh, you know, it, it does show to the. Uh, claims of of how active that fourth floor is. Yeah, and I even have one more room, too. Ooh. So in room 412, they have reports of the bed shaking while you're laying in it. Um, But there was a couple that was staying in that room for a Halloween party that the hotel was throwing. And when the woman came back to the hotel room, she came back by herself, and she just started freaking out and screaming and yelling, like, help, get it away from me. And she was screaming so loud that it woke up the neighbors that were sleeping in the other rooms. And she said she felt like she was being possessed when she was in there. So she's like, get it off of me or get it away from me because she felt like it was trying to possess her body. So Ghost Hunters went in and Steve laid on the bed. And one of the other hunters was like, dude, there was a shadow that was just on the side of the bed. He's like, no way. So he kind of sits there and he and he's feeling around and he feels this cold spot. And then um, later, Steve goes back over and sees this uh, black shadow that just goes across the side of the bed in the same spot that the other person saw it. So they got their EMF detector out. And EMF stands for electromagnetic field. So they get this big spike. A 4.2 on, and they put it on the pillow on the bed. That's high. Which is huge. But the thing is, it kept fluctuating. It kept changing. And so it was like if they would put it up, it would go back to zero, put it down, it would go back to zero. So it was like concentrated in this one area, which they found a lot in the in the hotel when they would do these EMF sweeps that 
you would find it concentrated, a self-sustaining and floating um, EMF, high EMF. And they didn't find a they didn't find a reason for the high EMF. No, nope. they went over to um, the lighting. They didn't get it. They went over to the lamps, the outlets, you know, things like that. But no. Wow, that's pretty cool. Because like yeah. Ghost Hunters has been very good um, about finding sources of EMF. Yeah, like, and debunking and yeah. yeah, yeah, they're really good about that. So, do we have any more haunted uh, rooms on floor four? Nope. Should we go down two more floors and go down to room 217? Of course. Lead of the course. way. All right. <laughs> That's an interesting – that one is an interesting room, right? Because people there have reported like going to bed and waking up and finding their clothes organized and their mm-hmm. shoes put back in order and like their stuff being put nicely together. Yes. Yep. That would be nice. Right? I'm in. And they believe that Elizabeth Wilson is the ghost that haunts room 217. Yeah. I, and I think maybe because not just the explosion part, but, you know, as like the head housekeeper and that being the presidential suite, I think there was this affinity, this love for what the place that she worked and for, for the hotel in itself and that being the, you know, the nicest room. So I think mm-hmm. that yeah, so, puts her there. Yeah. And Taps went in there and Steve was doing another EMF sweep. And looking for disrupt- disruptions and stuff. And again, they caught a free-floating EMF spike. And he couldn't track it to the natural source. And they were putting their hands all around it and trying to like... Because you'll do that when you find like a high EMF. You'll put your hand in it or whatever. Because sometimes it will feel colder, right? Yep. Because it's believed that when entities want to um, appear, you know, or whatever, it... Manifest. Yeah. Manifest, yes. They create a coldness and so they were feeling their this shape and they were like this is 10 to 15 degrees colder than the air around it and you can feel it too oh you do and it has it it they tend to have like a slight breeze to it i don't know if you guys know that but they tend to have this slight breeze like like the air is moving moving yeah yes yes it's so interesting you have any other instances in 217 well yeah it's also said that uh she doesn't like single men to stay in there because they had another part of the building where the bachelors would stay it's called the manor yeah because she believed that if you weren't married you shouldn't be sleeping there as a single man so she would be disimproving you know look at you disimprovingly uh if you were like a single man staying in that room yeah Mm. feelings of being ominous like yeah uh, dark Darker she was feelings. Not, and yeah, never, she would not be happy. Yeah. Yeah. So when it was originally built, the Stanley Hotel was a family hotel. Mm-hmm. So it was married families or single women mm-hmm. could stay in the main hotel. Yes. And if you were a bachelor, you stayed in the manor. Yep. So they kept those two pieces separate. Yeah. Which, you know, I mean, I think they were just trying to keep, you know, people from doing things that they shouldn't be doing. Well, yeah, and you figure back in the day, you know, in the time period that she lived and stuff, you know, so today if you're a single Mm -hmm. man and you go and you stay in that room, you know, you may get those feelings because she's very, she does not approve because back in her day it was very different. Yeah, Yeah. very different. Yeah. And it's funny, too, because, like, if you look at all of, you know, the fourth floor, right, they're all very active rooms. Yes. Um, And they're listed as the most haunted in the in the hotel. Right. But it's room, t- it's room t- 217 that garners all of this attention. Mm-hmm. And it's actually, it's, um, 
It's actually now not the presidential suite. It's the Stephen King suite. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so I, I think really it's because of the name that garners so much attention for, not the activity. Right. So do you have anything else for the main hotel for hauntings? No? I don't think I do. Uh-uh. Okay. So uh, which one of the outbuildings should we go to? Uh, let's touch on the ice house. The ice house? Yes. So it's where they would fish? <laughs> Not quite. So, you know, before indoor refrigeration, you know how people would put like blocks of ice in their little cooler chest or whatever yep. to keep their stuff cold. Well, so the Stanley Hotel had an outbuilding uh, and it was to house the large blocks of ice to keep all the things that needed to stay cool, cold, of course. Um, it's since been remodeled, though, into a museum. And it actually contains some of the original Stanley Steamer uh, cars in there. Oh, it's so cool. Um, but it's reported that there are two spirits that have been seen inside that building. Um, it only really lists one that I have here. It says Billy, who is a shy kid that shows up um, as a blurry image in photographs. Okay. So just a blur. Just kind of like a blurry outline of a person in hmm. a photograph. Do they know who Billy is? They don't say. And I didn't, I didn't really go and try to look up any more about it either. I ran out of time, so. Well, and I mean, we know that with, with spirits, right? Because they can be transient, they mm-hmm. might have zero attachment to the hotel. Absolutely. What else you got? So I actually have something in the manor hall that I forgot about. Oh, perfect. Let's go to the manor hall. Okay. So in the manor hall in room 1302, housekeepers have a really hard time with this room. One maid had just finished cleaning up the room and she stepped out into the hallway to talk to the head housekeeper and to have the head housekeeper, you know, check the room, make sure it's good to go. And she opens the door and all the lamps are on the floor and the pictures are off the walls. But they were right outside the room the entire time and didn't hear anything crash. Weird. So a ghost tossed the room. (laughs) Tossed the room in a matter of like a minute. Right, with minute no or two, with no sounds. So, That's crazy. Mm-hmm. So, again, Ghost Hunters goes in there, and they are feeling like uncomfortable when they go in there, like they're being watched. But they go in there and set up, and um, Tango started um, because he was feeling uncomfortable. He asked to make have it make its presence be known, right, and. Grant was sitting at the table, and he was changing out out his uh, tape for his recorder. And he asked the cameraman to come over and like light up the room because it's it's dark, right? So yeah. he has him come light up the room so you can see what he's doing. And right when he does that, they're doing it for a couple of seconds, and all of a sudden the table and the chair lift up, like noticeably, yeah. noticeably lift, and yes. just kind of. I don't want to say crash to the ground because it's not like it like fell or anything, it but dropped. it landed hard. Yeah. So you heard it. And so Grant was like, I got to hurry and start recording. Right. But he's so shaken up by what he saw or what he felt that he can't even put like his tape in because he's shaking so bad. Yeah, He's fumbling yeah. with it. He's fumbling around with it, trying to get it. Yeah, um, they said it dropped, it lifted three to five inches and dropped. Yeah. I mean, that's a. That's an impressive. That, that's a bit of a. Like drop. Yeah. Yeah. Cause in general, like, you know, like we've been to places where it's like you feel taps on the table. Sure. Yeah. You know, and things like that, but nothing where it's a significant lift and no. drop. Uh-uh. No. That's, that's impressive. That's super impressive. So, and also um, underneath the hotel, 
um, Jason and Grant were walking the tunnels underneath. And the tunnel. The there's, t- only, there's only one tunnel left. Yes. So the tunnel. They find this uh, separate little entrance that's like three and a half feet high. And they're like, let's go. Let's go. What is this? I don't know. Let's go. So they go in and again, they're feeling the creep vibes and they start hearing like this faint piano music. And you're like, do you hear that? Yeah. And then they hear a woman very audibly say, hello. And they're like, holy crap, did you hear that? Yeah. <laughs> that was a little girl. Woman, girl. It's female. Yeah, it's female. female. I mean, I guess, I mean, I guess really like. It could be either or, right? Yeah. yeah. It really could. And so after a couple of seconds, they're like, uh, hello. And then a few seconds later, hello. Again, they get yep. it back. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, first of all, to hear it audibly is impressive. But to have it respond to you. Not just once. Yeah. Yeah. Is extremely impressive. So yeah. again, they're like. I guarantee you I caught that on my recording. And they stop the recording, getting ready to rewind it to listen to it. And they start hearing her laugh. And at first, I mean, you guys are going to have to watch this to really hear it, right? It's it's great, actually. It's impressive. But the laugh starts cute, like a normal laugh. And then it very quickly turns into this long, creepy, maniacal sound. Yeah. Yeah. This laughter. So, and the hotel names her, says that her name is Lucy. Yeah. So, anyways, that would be creepy as crud. And you're in the basement. They're under, like, they're in the mountain, pretty much. Yeah, Yeah, natural mountain foundation is what it is under there. Like, they were like, oh, look, it's a tree, (laughs) you know? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, so cool. So stinking cool. I could be there all night. What's neat about that, so the documentary that we watched, right, the the, the tour guy that was talking about it, when they built the foundation, right, they built it right onto the mountain. Yeah. So that way the hotel would shift and move with the mountain. mountain. And he's like, look, you can go in some of these rooms and they'll have a quarter inch gap uh, at the top of the door door, and you'll come back next week and it'll be gone. Yep. That's so cool. Yeah. And so because it shifts. But yeah, these tunnels were generally employee tunnels, right? Mm-hmm. They were they were first built for the contractors, so the contractors could come and go and, and complete the hotel and do work on it. While one actually being out of the elements, because it took two years to build, and so imagine trying to walk across, you know, this area in February or January, mm-hmm. like you'd freeze your butt off just trying to get to the hotel. Yeah, and so they built them, um, and they were actually tall enough to to have a full size. Uh, for a, uh, for a man to walk through upright, but when they dug out the IT room, they took all the extra dirt and they kind of filled in the tunnel. Well, yeah. some have collapsed on their own naturally. Yes, um, and others they have purposely filled them in for mm-hmm. safety reasons. Yeah. But that that one where they heard the, the woman or the girl saying hello back is the only one I think that is still left. And it's, it, and it's only eight feet. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't go back so very far. There's, I mean. I mean, she might be back further than eight feet, mm-hmm. but there's no way to get back there. I did feel bad, though, because we were watching one investigation um, video, and they had put a static cam down there. Oh, yeah. This would suck. This would so suck. <laughs> but they have – the maintenance has a, a routine of dousing water in the tunnel at night to keep the dust down. Mm-hmm. And so the 
the guy is tossing water in there, doesn't know a static camera's in there. Oh, no. And douses the camera. It and fries they, the motherboard and the they camera. They lost everything on the camera. Everything. All their video they lost. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah. That would suck. That would so suck. But, I mean, there has been a death in the basement of the building. So the workers, they found this homeless lady. It wasn't in that wasn't in the hotel though. That was actually in the concert hall. Yes. So, but it's in the Stanley. Yeah, the Stanley complex. Yes. So they found a homeless lady living in the basement, and a couple weeks later, they find her frozen to death. Oh. Yeah. So they say that she is believed to be back there to get warm, and there were f- these four teenage girls that were in there wanting to hear some ghost stories. And so the worker told them about this homeless lady and the girls just started taking pictures and 10 seconds, about 10 seconds after they started, they hear this like high pitched scream coming from the sound booth that's up above. And then they hear a doorknob turning, but nobody was there. So these girls just like take off and they, they don't want to be a part of that anymore. And um, they'll hear in that room, the floors creaking and footsteps and they'll feel the air get really cold in there, like significantly cold where there's these rooms that are connected and one room will be toasty warm and then they'll go in here and it'll be really cold, but was warm just a few minutes before. Right. So, so did this homeless lady actually get locked in there though? I thought it said that she she got locked in there and a lot of times they hear someone like, pulling on the knobs, like turning the knobs and like banging on the door, like, you know, and then they'll open it up, they'll unlock it, open it up, go in there. And there's like nobody there. Yeah. I believe it's her like trying to get out. Get, get out. out. Yeah. 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 There was reports from one of the tour guides. They were, they were doing one of the paranormal tours at night. Right. And mm-hmm. they always go into this concert hall, into the basement. And they, there's a, I can't remember the gal's name. You remember the gal's name? I don't. Huh? <sighs> um, but they always go down to this basement into this room down there and they go talk to her. Right. Mm -hmm. And then they were walking out and the guy went in and locked the door on the way out. Right. And as soon as he locked the door, the door starts rattling and shaking like someone's pounding violently, like violently. And they turn around, they put the flashlights on the door. There's no, you know, face in the window or anything like that. And they, yeah, they believe it was the gal trying Mm -hmm. to get out. She's lost. So sad. Like if you think about it, that's really sad. Yeah. Yeah. That's very sad. Very, very sad. But yeah, that concert hall was, I mean, how neat though, like of a building, right? Like yeah. you go there, you stay, and there's a concert hall, right? It was actually uh, F.O.'s wife that would play music there. Mm-hmm. She was a concert pianist and he actually shipped a grand piano across the country. Oh, can you imagine? Yeah. Ugh. And then, you know, F.O. was actually a violinist himself um, and a... Uh, um, a composer. And so he would, he would actually, you know, play his violin there and stuff. And he actually built his own violin, built his own violins. How cool is that? That's pretty neat. Yeah. That'd be Man cool to have many that. talents. Yeah. So but many that, talents. But I mean, that explains why they hear so much piano music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I know like in there, um, people will go in there and be around the piano and they'll hear like the faint piano music. Mm-hmm. And it's not like someone sitting there playing the piano right next to you. It's like off in the distance, but you're right there next to the piano. 
Yeah, there was uh, one report, one of the tour guys was saying that they were in that area, right? And they were in another room and you could hear the piano playing. Actually, it was, it was actually one of the pianists that's there now. Yeah. He's like, yeah, you could hear the piano. It was just going to town, right? Like someone was sitting there playing the piano. Mm-hmm. And she's so like, really? That's really kind of cool. And so he comes around the corner and goes into the room and the lid is closed. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. God, that's so cool. So what else, where else we got in there? I mean, the, the place is huge. Well, they do have a pet cemetery on property. So is that another Stephen King? I mean, that is another Stephen King book, but I don't think it's based on this one. <laughs> Long before Stephen King's novel, Pet Cemetery. <laughs> Long before. So there's an actual pet cemetery. It's just outside of the Stanley Hotel, and there, there's two beloved pets that are interred there. One is a golden retriever named Cassie, and another one is a fly, fluffy white cat named Comanche. So, and they've been reported to be seen all around the property. Oh, I want to see the fluffy white cat. Right? Yeah. <laughs> what, what is their significance? Do you know, were they part of like someone's, I mean, obviously they were somebody's pets, You know, right? it doesn't say whose. It just says they were beloved pets, Cassie and Comanche, huh. a golden retriever and a white fluffy ki- kitty. So wow. I don't know, but they've been seen everywhere. Like all parts of the hotel, the property, just all over. That's so cool. I have not witnessed a, ghost animal on an investigation no i haven't done it i haven't witnessed one on investigation but i've witnessed it a few times in my house growing up Mm -hmm. and when i was babysitting somebody else's kid yeah and we we have too when our um when our tc uh passed away (laughs) we saw her up on the counter you could hear her you could hear her too really so there are times that when we still lived in our three-bedroom apartment um, I'd be sitting on the couch and the TV's off and I'm just kind of sitting there looking on my phone. And you know, when cats like take them, you know, some food and then they like, like swing their head uh-huh. a little bit. Yeah. And then one like flies out and hits the dish or the floor. Well, so I would hear for about a month after she passed, um, I would hear over the weeks, just like a cat taking a bite of food and then like little pieces going tink, hitting the bowl, falling back into the bowl. Oh, Wow. Too. Yeah, my house growing up. So I had a big white fluffy cat named Fluffy, but he was alive, right? And we had this in our bathroom. We had this uh, cup full of water that Fluffy would drink out of. And we just fill it up every day. But my dad would wake up early in the morning to like at 4.30 in the morning. He'd go to work and he was he would be in there and he would hear a cat licking, like drinking that water, but <laughs> yeah. there's no cat there, right? Like Fluffy was in my room with me sleeping. Right. And then I started experiencing it and I was like, dad, I actually like heard a cat licking, drinking this water. Yeah. He's like, I've heard it too. Oh my goodness. That's so cool. Yeah. That is awesome. That is awesome. What else you guys got for, for uh haunted places there? Well, I had a little bit more on the underground caves. Oh yeah. Go ahead. Um, I just saw it. So, um, so they think they believe that there is a employee that kind of lurks down there in those underground caves. So it was obviously, you know, years ago used for employees to get back and forth. And, uh, current employees actually say that they, they smell like, the smell of home-baked goods that linger down there in the tunnel. Oh, that's random. With no apparent source. They're like, 
there's no way, right? Mm, yeah. Big Brad. But they're smelling this. <laughs> in his dirt tunnel. Yeah. So, but they're attributing it to this pastry chef who worked for the Stanley uh, Hotel when it first opened. Um, they say they're also, there's also like a gray cat that they've seen stalking around with bright green glowing eyes. So they don't know, like this cat, like they're not like, it's, it's not like a pet of anybody's or anything. They just think it's a random cat that when the tunnels were open, you know, somehow got in and just yeah. kind of would roam around there. Well, I can imagine that they were like, there were probably a handful of cats running around the property just to catch mice. I was going to say, I'm sure the owners actually probably had a bunch of cats out oh, there yeah. so yeah. that they wouldn't come in the hotel. Yeah. Yeah. So we also have the hedge maze. There's actually a hedge maze there? Yeah. So basically, so there was an open area in the front of the Stanley Hotel. Yeah. Okay? And it had a, it was originally a long driveway. And they used it for the Stanley steamers, like they promenade them up and down for guests to enjoy the views and stuff okay, up that, and down the long driveway. That'd be so cool. That'd be cool. It's no longer there because in 2015, it was replaced with a hedge maze. They held like a competition where they chose the design from 300 global entries for this hedge maze. Wow. So it was done to connect, to connect the um, hotel to Stanley uh, Kubrick's film version of The Shining. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, because at the end, mm-hmm. when he dies, he actually dies in a hedge maze. Yes. So that introduced the suspense-provoking hedge maze. Ooh. So in the King's novel, the lawn of the Overlook Hotel was adorned with trophy uh, topiary animals, right? Yeah. A bunch of them. Uh, so while no specific ghosts have been reported inside that hedge maze, people tend to get panicky and have trouble <laughs> breathing while they're trying to navigate and find their way through this maze. <laughs> so so there's no real paranormal no. reports there. I wonder if it's not something that's... Um, Involuntary, right? Because they're tying the shining and the, well, yeah. the intensity That's my to thought. it. You have that in your mind going into this maze, knowing that you know it was based off of this hotel. Yeah, and so you're already a little probably nervous, and then you get in there and you panic. You could do like Bart Simpson did on the on their little whole <laughs> take on the shining and all that. You can just take a chainsaw and just you know, it's a hedge clipper. <laughs> whatever it and, looked like a chainsaw and just yeah. like cut circles out of each piece of the hedge and just walk on through yeah, <laughs> yeah. Shh, boy you want to get sued <laughs> oh because they called it the shining yeah it's the shining <laughs> no it's the shining shush boy you want to get sued <laughs> yeah that's kind of a fun little halloween episode yeah um you have any other places well so the vortex so it's, it's, it's okay. So the stunning staircase of the Stanley, I don't know if anybody's ever seen like pictures of the staircase. It's or, absolutely gorgeous. Um, so the, the staircase between floors in the hotel's lobby has been dubbed the vortex. So it's a tornado of, uh, like spiritual energy, they say, um, sort of a paranormal, uh, portal for all the ghosts that visit the hotel. So I'm guessing they must come and go through this. Like this is their subway. You know, to kind of <laughs> well, getting off here, get on here. And I guess, so, it, I guess it makes sense though. Like the grand staircase would have been the lead in and out for all yes. of the rooms. Well, yeah, between all the floors, yeah. the entryway, all that. So the guests report cold spots, um, a dizzy feeling on the stairs, as if some 
something has just walked right through them. They say they get like this cold feeling, they get dizzy. So, um, yeah, orbs not- and distort, uh, you know, like distortion have been caught on camera. Yeah. Um, and then it says, Mr. and Mrs. Stanley have even been seen hand in hand watching over the hustle and bustle from the grand staircase. Oh, that would be cute. See, yeah. And that's the part of the, uh, I was going to ask, like, if, uh, as much as Stanley loved this hotel, like, he would actually sit on the front porch and watch people coming mm-hmm. in and Just out of his watch. hotel. Yeah. Um, he loved this place. And yet, and all of the reports so far up until now. There none, hasn't been any with him in it. It hasn't been any Stanley. And now. Boom. There's one. And now there's boom. There's there's one, which is awesome. So when we covered the concert hall, did we say who was haunting it? No, I asked the name and, and mm-hmm. we weren't sure. You have a name now? Um. So we already know it was built by F.O. Stanley as a gift for his wife, Flora. Yep. Uh, so the stage features a trap door and it was used for theatrical entrances, exits, and what have you. So the lower level once housed a two-lane bowling alley. Oh, that's cool. Uh, the hall underwent extensive repair and renovation in the year 2000, but it is a favorite spot of Flora Stanley's, apparently. She's been known to play the piano well into the night. So maybe this is where, maybe this is who's behind Yeah, playing it. So another spirit that said that's very uh, fond of the concert hall is Paul. So, oh, yeah. oh, that's right. I yeah. did read about Paul. So, among other duties, Paul uh, he used to enforce the 11 p.m. curfew in the hotel's early days. So, and guests and uh, employees alike have reported hearing someone telling them to get out late at night. <laughs> <laughs> You're not supposed to be right? here. Go back to your room. The whole theme is get out. You know, um, a construction worker actually was doing some work on the floors in the concert hall, and he felt someone nudge him several times until he finally decided to leave they kept nudging him until he left uh so it just says uh paul is a big fan of tour groups so he really likes the tour groups and he likes to flicker their flashlights upon request oh that's cool that is neat yeah yeah another thing like from all of the tour guides and the people that run the hotel and everything they really have said that nothing really negative is being felt at the hotel other than some of those like single man in room 217 and stuff, but mm-hmm. um, everything's really been a positive light feeling in there. I think, and I think it's because I would be willing to bet that most of the spirits who uh, stay around the hotel were like guests or, or um, people who really love the hotel. Yeah. yeah. They all yeah. love the hotel. And so it's like, this is where I want to hang out. And so that it's, you know, the good people, which makes it nice. Like, cause you know, going out and investigating you can find the darker stuff and, and this is one of those, pl- those places you'll find the lighter things yep which, which is always nice. refreshing yeah <laughs> well that's why i think like for me if i were to stay in 217 it wouldn't be i don't think i would be that scared i think it would be more of an exciting thing because it doesn't seem like it would be like a terrifying scary experience Intense, right yeah. you know it's just more like a closing door or little thumps and bumps. It's it's not like you're getting pulled out of your bed and the sheets are coming off and you're getting lifted up by your ankles. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you hear people with these like crazy stories as they're sleeping or something, yeah. you know, yeah. which would make you terrified. But these ones, it's very, very calm compared. Right. So I think it'd be so dang fun to go visit. 
definitely one of those places I I have to go. And I really, really want to hear that female in the tunnels. I do too. Right? That would be awesome. Uh, yeah. <laughs> For as clear as those audible voices are, I mean, those are rare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would, uh, I would love that. Now, the cool thing is about the hotel. So back in the late 90s, early 2000s, they actually like stopped promoting the paranormal nature of the hotel. They kind of shied away from it. They stopped doing their their tours, and they really pushed that aside. Um, since the ghost adventures and the ghost adventures, ghost hunters and all of them have gone, and a lot of other paranormal groups have gone there. They've they've brought back all of their tours, so you can go online, uh, you can book a paranormal tour, mm-hmm. and they're not ex- they're not horribly expensive. They aren't very long, but they'll take you around, tell you stories. They'll I think take they're you- about seventy five minutes. Yeah, they'll take yeah. you into the tunnels. Yep. They will take you around the hotel. God, that'd be so fun. Right? Um, and they will do little investigation stuff too. So like they'll take you down into the room um, where, the, where the, they say the homeless lady hangs out in the concert hall and they will do stuff there too. Yeah. And so like they don't, they don't shy away from it, which is really nice. Yeah. Um, it makes it nice to be able to go visit and kind of do some of that stuff. 100%. So. Um, 100%. Yeah, and so like we've, uh, I think we've pretty much covered the whole hotel. Yeah, um, at least from what we know and what we can find. I am sure that there are a lot of other paranormal experiences that people have had there throughout the years, and you know, lots of investigation groups go there. So, highly would recommend booking a room, hanging out. Uh, you can request the haunted rooms. Yep. So, yeah. if you got a little more cash in your pocket. <laughs> yeah, or a little more flexibility in your time. Yeah, because um, the haunted rooms. Get rented out first. Yep. Always. <laughs> yeah. So where can they find us? Well, you can find us on Facebook at Paranormal Peace Podcast. And you can also find us at Cold Spot Paranormal Research. And you can find us on Twitter at CPR Paranormal. And on Instagram at Cold Spot underscore Paranormal underscore Research. And like always, stay ghosty, my peeps. Thank you for listening to the Paranormal Peeps Podcast. You can find us on social media at Twitter at CPR Paranormal, on Facebook at Paranormal Peeps Podcast, and Cold Spot Paranormal Research. And you can find us on Instagram at Cold Spot underscore Paranormal underscore Research.